0: welcome everyone to another debate from intelligence squared u.s. i'm john donvan of abc news and once again i have the pleasure and the honor of serving as moderator as the six debaters you see sharing the stage with me here at the skirball center for the performing arts at new york university six debaters three against three will be debating this motion organic food is marketing hype now, this is a debate, this is not a panel discussion or a seminar, it's a contest. One team will win and the other will lose, and you in our live audience, the several hundred of you, will be acting as our judges. By the time the debate has ended, you will have voted twice, once before and once again after you have heard the arguments, to tell us where you stand on these issues. And the team that has changed the most minds over the course of the debate will be declared our winner. So let's now go to our preliminary vote. If you go to the keypads on the right arm of your chair, there are a bunch of numbers, zero through one through nine and zero. Um, you only need to pay attention to one, two, and three. Our motion is organic food is marketing hype. If you agree with the motion, please press number one. If you disagree, press number two. And if you are undecided at this point, please press number three. And if you feel that you've made an error, just correct it, and the system will lock in the last vote that you recorded. And so what we're going to do is tabulate those votes, and after we've heard opening remarks, I will share with you where the preliminary vote stands at that point. And so on to the debate, round one opening statements by each of the debaters in turn, seven minutes each. And we begin first, I'd like to introduce Lord John Krebs, known just to us as John Krebs on this side of the pond here in the colonies. Uh, John Krebs, you can make your way to your lectern. John Krebs was chairman of Britain's Food Standards Agency, which is like our Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, except it was just the F, not the D. Um, And, John, you um, were not chairman in 2009. You had left the board, but it made a very... It sent a thunderbolt through the system when it came up with a study of the comparison, nutritional comparison between conventional and organic food and concluded what?
1: That there was no difference in the health benefits. Which rolled like thunder through the movement. Ladies and gentlemen, John Krebs. Thank you very much, John, for those words of introduction, and I should emphasize to you, all of you do feel free to applaud at any time during my <laughs> seven minutes. Um, I start off with a disadvantage because, um, as uh, Bernard Shaw said, uh, George Bernard Shaw, we are two nations divided by a common language. Uh, so I hope that you will understand what I'm saying, even though I'm speaking the English that occurs on the other side of the pond. Uh, let me explain, first of all, where I'm coming from in this. Uh, As the former head of the Food Standards Agency, I am not anti-organic. Absolutely not anti-organic. But what I am is pro-accurate consumer information. I am pro-healthy eating. And I am pro-a scientific dispassionate analysis of the facts. I've got no vested interest. It makes no difference to me whether or not you eat organic food. But I do sometimes get angry about the marketing hype. And let me give you, for instance, just last week, I was watching a television show about diet and health, and on the show, there was a woman who was working for a low income, and she had three children, and she said to the interviewer, I feel really guilty because I cannot afford the organic food to feed my children a healthy diet. And that made me really cross, because she didn't need to buy organic food to feed her children a healthy diet. Although, according to the surveys, six in every ten Americans who buys organic food believe that they're getting a healthier option. And they're paying for it, because when you go shopping, if you buy organic food, you spend $1.60 for every dollar that you would have to spend buying exactly the equivalent food produced conventionally. So, is it worth paying the extra for health benefits? The answer is a plain, straightforward, simple no. Why do I say that? I say that because I've scrutinized the evidence. Now, if you look at the evidence, you have to ask yourselves two questions. Who is saying it, and why are they saying it? And, of course, if you listen to the organic sector that has a vested interest, they will pick and choose the evidence that supports their case. And no doubt we'll hear that later on this evening but I prefer to believe those groups of people who are independent, impartial, objective groups of scientists put together by official agencies to study the evidence with no side one way or the other. And it's not just the UK Food Standards Agency that John referred to, but at the last count, in eight different countries where the federal or national agencies have looked at this issue in every case, they've come to the same conclusion. There is no health benefit of eating organic food when compared with conventional food. Furthermore, and this is a really important point, in the UK, we have an advertising standards watchdog. And a few years ago, they penalized our two major supermarket chains for advertising and claiming that organic food is healthier. And they were stopped. Those supermarket chains were stopped from making that claim And note this, they did not come back with a legal challenge. Why did they not come back with a legal challenge? Because there was no case to defend. There was no evidence to support their case that would stand up in a court of law. So what are these supposed benefits, health benefits of organic food? Some people think that it's more nutritious, that it may contain more of those essential micronutrients, vitamins or antioxidants that are supposed to protect us against cancer. But when you look at all the evidence together, sometimes organic food does contain more, sometimes it contains less. But taking the picture in the round, there is no, absolutely no, consistent difference. What about safety of food? Because some people say, well, maybe I ought not to take the risk. Organic food is more natural, it's safer. And indeed in Britain... 70% of the baby food sold is organic because parents are worried about what they're feeding their children. Well, what are these safety issues? One thing that people are concerned about is pesticide residues. Maybe the vegetables or the fruit that's been sprayed in a conventional farm leave tiny residues on the surface that you may eat when you consume those vegetables. Well, two things to note. First of all, organic farmers also use pesticides. They just use a different set of pesticides. But secondly, and more important, those residues are there when they are present in such minute quantities that they are harmless relative to the natural dangerous chemicals that occur in all the food you eat. How many of you have ever drunk a cup of coffee? Raise your hands. (laughs) Okay, quite a few of you have drunk a cup of coffee. Well, let me tell you, in that one cup of coffee, there are more carcinogens than you would get in all the pesticide residues in eating conventionally produced or organically produced fruit and vegetables for a whole year. So if you're worried about potential carcinogens in your food, don't drink that cup of coffee. (laughs) But of course you don't need to worry, because these chemicals may have the potential to be dangerous, but they're in such a low level in the food that you don't need to worry about it. But in a way, this is missing the point because you can argue hither and thither about how much of this chemical is in the food, how much of that pesticide residue is present, how much of this vitamin, and so on. What really counts is looking at the health outcomes. So are people who eat organic food healthier than people who don't? And that's a pretty difficult question to answer. But there is one study that's looked at it, and it's an extremely large study, it's called the Million Women Study. It's been carried out in the UK and it's called the Million Women Study because it involves at least one million women who over a long time period record everything about their lifestyle, including what they eat, and subject themselves to a variety of health measures, including suffering from diseases. And that study shows that there is no difference in the health outcomes for women that eat organic food and women that don't eat organic food. It doesn't really matter to me whether you eat organic food or not. It's your lifestyle choice. It doesn't bring you any benefit. But what does matter to me is when poor people like that woman I saw on television feel guilty because they're not feeding their kids organic food. Just because of the marketing hype, they feel guilty, and that to me is an outrage. So I urge you to vote for the motion at the end of this evening. Thank you, John. Craig.
0: Our motion is organic food is marketing hype, and now to open arguments against this motion, I'd like to introduce Orvashi Rangan, who is director of technical policy for the Consumers Union. That is the organization that puts out consumer reports, and Urvashi, your specialty there is, is labeling, and in particular, where it comes to organic, You you... You tell the rest of us whether, if it's organic on the label, is it really organic it's, in the jar? That's exactly. right.
2: It's been part of my job for ten years. They're educating consumers about what organic means and what it doesn't, and uh, allow them to make informed choices about the foods they buy.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Orvashi Rankin.
2: Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'd like to address a few things that John brought up in this uh, resolution. And the first thing is the resolution is not about whether organic is healthier or not. That's not what we're debating today. We're also not debating whether it's more nutritious. What we're debating is whether it's marketing hype or not. And that is what we're trying to judge by the end of this debate. Um, John brought up a few things that I'm going to address, um, including... Um, pesticide residues and sort of dismissing any uh, level of harm whatsoever. And if you're eating carcinogens in one thing, why not eat it in everything? Um, That is simply a dangerous, dangerous theory. And as a toxicologist for Consumer Reports, I have to say that uh, we barely understand what one chemical does at one point in time. We have no idea what the multiple exposures to low-level pesticides chemicals, drugs, heavy metals does to anybody. And so as a mother of two um, and as many people are, if you have the health of somebody else's um, hands in your hands and you're responsible for them, uh, you want to take extra measures to figure out what you're putting in their bodies too. I'll leave that now, and I'm going to launch into... um, our side of the case, which is that um, Consumer Reports has been deciphering labels since 1936. Our sole mission is to educate consumers about marketing hype, what it is, what it isn't. And uh, for many years, I have to say, in my last 10 years rating labels, we've come across a lot of labels that are marketing hype. Natural, very few standards, no verification. Hypoallergenic, Also marketing hype, no standards. Fragrance-free, free free range. All of those labels are marketing hype. They have no standards. They have no verification. Uh, Those are our two most important criteria when we're rating labels, and those don't meet any of them. On the other hand, organic food, meets those criteria, it does have a comprehensive set of standards behind them, and it is verified. We don't consider that to be marketing hype, and therefore we think you should vote against this resolution. So let me give you some more examples of marketing hype. Wonder Bread, Wonder Brains, they had that out for a while. FTC took action against that, that they can't call it that. <laughs> Maybe some of you recall the Smart Choices label program, a big green checkmark that was industry-sponsored, ConAgra, Pepsi, uh, you found it all over, including Fruit Loops, uh, full-fat mayonnaise, a couple other things. That's also a marketing hype, not such a smart choice. Um, and uh, one other one, the United Egg Producers used to have a claim called Animal Care Certified. Sounds really lovely, like the animals were cared for, but it could have been used on eggs that came from chickens stuffed into battery cages where they couldn't stand up, uh, put into towers of battery cages where all their poop and excrement basically rained down through the cages, onto the floor, contaminating the ground, moving into the groundwater, could be labeled animal care certified. They stopped doing that, but again, that's another example of what's marketing hype. Incidentally, organic production doesn't allow chickens to be stuffed in those battery cages, and it's just one of the reasons why (laughs) organic offers a benefit over conventional. Let me jump into five other big reasons why... um, organic does carry more value. And first of all, just to set the stage, in this country, we ha- Congress passed an act in 1990, the Organic Food Production Act, the USDA, runs the National Organic Program. We have certifiers and inspectors accredited by the USDA. This is a public program. Everybody can participate in it, and it is subject to accountability. It is subject to inspection itself. Um, This is a credible labeling program. I don't think we're really wasting this much energy over something that's simply marketing hype. But let's get into five big reasons why organic offers benefit over conventional production. First of all, organic animals eat a diet free of poop. Can you believe that? So why am I saying that? Am I a nutball? But no, conventional agriculture and conventional farming in this country actually picks up chicken litter from the bottom of the chicken coops filled with poop, excrement, whatever that chicken ate, including mammalian byproducts, cow brain, blood meal, and guess what? Animals eat that in conventional production. It also can include garbage, plastic roughage pellets, and this is the stuff that we freely, in fact, we call it a rich protein supplement. I mean, this is a protein considered useful for animal feeding. It's not allowed in organic production. It's just one reason why organic offers benefits. Second thing, organic is free of antibiotics. They cannot be used. Uh, Antibiotic resistance is a huge growing health, public health problem in this country. We feed antibiotics to animals every single day. We wouldn't do that with humans. We wouldn't feed humans antibiotics every day. Why do we do it in conventional agriculture? It's number two reason why organic offers a benefit. Third, we feed animals, chicken broilers in this country, things like arsenic, if you can believe it. These are toxic heavy metals that we actually feed the animals. They act a lot like antibiotics. They help them grow better. They help prevent disease. And yet the arsenic goes from their poop into the ground. It seeps into the ground. And the problem with conventional ag is people don't think it moves anywhere, but it does. It moves into the ground, into the groundwater. We create big pits of manure that go up into the air and contaminate it. These things are controlled for in organic production. Two last things. Organic doesn't allow the use of most synthetic pesticides. It's true, as John points out, that some pesticides are allowed. But one report estimates that about 60% of the pesticides that are out there are classified as a known probable or possible carcinogen. If you can have food that doesn't have those things, why wouldn't you want to eat healthier? Why wouldn't that offer a benefit? But remember, this is a debate isn't about whether you would buy it, but rather whether it is truly a measurable difference and whether it offers a credible alternative to consumers who are buying it, and whether or not consumers who buy organic are currently being deceived in the marketplace, we would say no, and therefore we urge you to vote against the resolution. Finally, I'd like to talk about synthetic fertilizers. We actually compost human waste in this country, and we put it onto conventional crops. That's right, what you put in your toilet can get composted and put onto the food that we eat, and that's how it gets fertilized. That is a prohibited method in organic production. You may not use sewage sludge as compost. It comes with a number of problems, including heavy metals. And finally, synthetic fertilizers rape the soil. Um, And organic (laughs) promotes it, and Chuck will be talking a little bit more about that. Thank you. Thank you, Robush, Rangan.
0: Our motion is organic food is marketing hype. And now to speak for the motion, the only actual farmer in the debate tonight. I'd like to introduce Blake Hurst, who is a farmer in Missouri. He raises corn and soybeans and flowers along with his family. He's done it all of his life. He's also a writer who has published in the Wall Street Journal and the Weekly Standard and other uh, magazines. I, I'm interested, Blake, is it harder to farm or harder to write?
3: I can't make any money at either one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Blake Hurst. <laughs>
3: I'm used, to, I'm used to not making much money. Only tonight did I learn I was a rapist. Come as a surprise to my family and friends who don't think much of me but think more than that. If you've ever driven through the Midwest on a summer evening, your windshield becomes covered by gazillions of sticky, glutinous gobs of insect guts. Your windshield wiper can cause a wreck because it just smears the stuff around, making your windshield as opaque as the directions for assembling a Christmas present. The bugs are corn borer moths. Corn borers cause corn to drop ears, corn stalks to fall over. They also damage the husks of the corn, making it vulnerable to a soil-borne pathogen called aflatoxin, which causes liver cancer in humans. The insecticide, Bt, produced by corn grown from genetically modified seed, Causes corn borers to swell like a balloon and to explode. I find this very satisfying. <laughs> I imagine pops like a string of firecrackers, like popcorn on a hot stove, as all across my fields corn borers explode. BT corn, of course, disqualifies my crop as organic, even though a nearly identical pesticide is available to organic farmers. And aflatoxin, I should point out, is completely natural. Of course, we on our farm lost our chance to be organic some 50 years ago. We have a picture. We have a picture of my grandfather uh, standing in front of a corn crib. He's wearing a faded blue work shirt, uh, overalls turned white from repeated washings, a broad brimmed straw hat. And he's carrying two ears of corn. One the before year, and one the after. The after was had a nitrogen applied to it, artificial raping nitrogen. The after here was much bigger. Grandpa's grinning widely because he's celebrating a record yield. I should probably point out that our farm has manure as a fertilizer source and at the time planted lots of legumes in long rotations, all practices recommended by the advocates of organic farming, usually riding in a sort of a tone of breathless discovery. Yes, Virginia, people were thinking about soil fertility long before the Oprah show covered food, Inc., When commercial fertilizer became available, yields went up, costs went down, including environmental costs as we use less resources to produce the same amount of food. When this happens in other industries, it's generally seen as a good thing. The father of the organic method was Sir Albert Howard, a British agriculture scientist. He taught that disease, whether plant, animal, or human, is caused by unhealthy soil. And the secret to good health is farming organically, according to Howard, The war in the soil is a result of a conflict between the birthright of humanity, fresh food from fertile soil, and the profits of a section of big business. That sentence could have been written a week ago, and it would have been just as unreadfully realistic now as it was in 1949 when Howard wrote it. You'll notice then as now the farmer is strangely absent from this narrative. Tools of big corporations bought off by seed corn caps and glossy advertisements We're only practicing industrial agriculture because we're tools of the man. The truth is better captured by that picture of my grandfather smiling from ear to ear as he celebrates a record yield. You may find this bloodthirsty battle using chemical warfare and genetic manipulation distasteful. It's clear that our opponents here tonight do so. They imagine farming as a holistic walk with nature as we reap her bounty with hardly a mark left on the landscape. And a on utopia as we discover that connection with the soil has been lost because of the application of science to food. According to them, we can walk back our dependence on petroleum, lose our addiction to chemicals and laboratories and be one again with nature. Rarely has so much nonsense received so much attention from so many outstanding minds. <laughs> Organic production requires its own set of environmental trade-offs. Organic food takes more land than conventional farming to produce the same amount of food. Organic farming leads directly to more, not less, soil erosion because conventional farmers disturb the soil less. Organic rules are arbitrary, with some practices clearly forbidden because of political pressure instead of science. Some of the most environmentally costly practices conventional farmers use are approved for the organic farmer as well. Some of the practices most important for food safety are not available to organic producers. Hunger is the darkest specter of all, and always closer than we expect, particularly in the parts of the world that are most likely to farm organically, although they don't call it that. Nature doesn't care whether we're hungry or well-fed. We rest what we can from her reluctant arms each year, and in order to have an adequate supply of food, we have to use all the tools available to us. That's the truth. That's the truth this multi-front war we call farming. And as inconvenient as it may be to the critics of the present food system, that's the way it will always be. Eating organically is trendy, edgy, and advocated by all the right people. Organic consumers shop as a form of conspicuous self-congratulations, a chance to pat themselves on the back for their social conscience and to enjoy their superiority over the coupon-clipping bourgeoisie shopping at Walmart. <laughs> The organic consumer should know this. Her choices have costs, real costs, environmental costs, and costs when it comes to world hunger. According to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, there are a billion hungry people in the world. Every time someone produces organic, purchases organic food, more water and more land are used to produce that food than to produce the same amount of food on my farm. That's the reason why you should vote in favor of the motion Organic food is fashionable, cool, an attitude, a chance to identify yourself with beautiful actresses instead of old farmers in overalls. But mostly, organic food is marketing hype. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you So here's where we are. We are halfway through our first round opening statements by each side at this U.S. Intelligence Squared debate. I'm sorry, I'm going to rephrase that because this needs to be right for the radio broadcast. I said U.S. Intelligence Squared, and I'm going to reverse that. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan as moderator. We have six debaters, two teams of three, who are finding it out over this motion. Organic food is marketing hype. You have heard three of the opening statements, and now on to the fourth. I would like to introduce Jeffrey Steingarten, who is a best-selling author and food critic for Vogue magazine. Um, his, one of his more famous books is The Man Who Ate Everything. I apologize, Jeffrey. I have not read the book. Is it autobiographical?
4: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to a very famous other person. Um. Well... <clears throat>
0: Is the Let me recommend the book and introduce yeah. once again Ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Steingarten.
4: Thank you um, I started, well I didn't start out I started out as a lawyer and not as a food critic or a writer and um, if this were a court I think I would ask the judge to exclude most of the previous testimony on the grounds that it was totally irrelevant to, to the proposition, <laughs> um, to say that organic uh, food is a marketing hype. Um, I guess means that all organic food, is a marketing hype. That everything about organic food is a marketing hype. That. Um, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the other side any good to show that there's an advertisement that to, 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 you know, shows healthy people and to eating organic food if they actually are. Uh, you know, I doubt that they're actually eating the food on the set, on the photographic set. And so that's the marketing hype as well. Um, I remember when I was on the FDA Food Advisory Committee right at the beginning and, then, and we were given just advisory powers and and one of the things that we were given was BST, the bovine the hormone, to increase cow, uh, cows' milk production. Um, and Everything we were fed, except from one, but you know, you know, from the Center for the Public Inter- Center for Science and the Public Interest, was total hype. To, um, Monsanto hired farmers t- 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 to farmers who were really, you know, sat in their offices, by working with their computers. Well, Monsanto put overalls on them and everything, and they talked about how c- 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 they knew that their cows were happy, that uh, producing all of this extra meat, the milk. We know that. <clears throat> cows overproducing, get mastitis, and then there's a pus, if I could use the word pus, in the milk. No one wanted to use the word pus. And um, maybe pus is not bad for you, but I thought it was... Um, the FDA was so afraid that we were going to vote against it that they combined t- 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 two committees, also the animal... Um, ag- to the Animal Husbandry uh, you know, the Committee, all of whom were supported by uh, the Agriculture Department uh, or by industry, uh, right, for example, Monsanto. So the vote was, was very lopsided, so much so that the other side was emboldened to move that it should be a crime uh, for a milk producer to announce that there was no bovine somatotropin hormone in, the, uh, in his milk because that would be marketing hype since there's no difference. Um, (coughs) The the forces against good food are very powerful in this country, um, and it's enough to make you paranoid. The um, uh, with all possible possible respect, um, our last speaker. Okay, I'm not going to say that he sounded like Dick Cheney. Okay, but <laughs> but he talked about farming as a multi-front war, right? And that you have to rest from nature. That you know these kind of little rewards you get, these little, you know, corn cobs. Now, now I know uh, four or five farmers, um, and I've spoken to them all um, in the last few days. So that I'd be able to learn all about farming, and um, <laughs> there was one t- 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 uh, nicknamed Farmer Al, uh, you know, who grows some of the best peaches in the country. They're organic, um, um, they're in Northern California, and um, and it took a while for Al to start, you know. Uh, switching from non-organic uh, to organic peaches—they're better now. Um, he was so mellow about it, about you know how you have to use this in order to, to avoid that pest, and you know. And I asked him, to, to, you know, whether he used Roundup on his weeds. He said, "Oh no, we just manage the weeds. You know, just as long as they're not, just as long as they're not higher than about that, they won't threaten the uh, plant. The weeds won't." Um, uh, but, but, you know, and also scattering eggs of uh, predators to the pests, to so on and so forth. Um, Al told, now Al's peaches are more expensive. There's no uh, uh, doubt that, that organic food is, on average, more expensive. So our next speaker, I, I believe, having read uh, some of what he's written, are going to say, um, as the farmer did, that it's almost a a crime with all the people starving to devote any resources to some kind of elite food. Um, I know that the best vegetables that I've ever tasted were uh, were organic, Um, and they were grown on uh, Dan Barber's... um, property. He doesn't own the property. Rockefeller owns the property, uh, but the property near his uh, restaurant. Um, conventional agriculture is not feeding the world. <laughs> to say that organic agriculture could never feed the world is sidestepping to the fact that organic, uh, conventional agriculture is not feeding the world. And it's dependent upon oil selling at kind of $45 a barrel. It's dependent upon um, steady climate. Um, and it's also dependent upon relatively uh, available water.
0: Jeffrey Steingarten, I'm sorry your time is Okay. Up. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey Steingarten. Our motion is organic food is marketing hype and now here to speak against the motion I'm sorry I've skipped a page now here to speak for the motion I'd like to introduce Dennis Avery who is director of the Huston Institute Center for Global Food Issues who was for some time uh, who is a food e- and agricultural economist who worked for the state department and writes extensively on food policy ladies and gentlemen Dennis Avery
5: To measure the depths of my sins, I'm holding up a book written by my son, Alex Avery. It's entitled The Truth About Organic Foods, and it traces the history of the movement from Germany in the 1920s on to our organic farming today. And the tragedy that organic farming doesn't live up to the hype The people who are buying it and consuming it and offering it to their families truly want to do the best possible thing, as speakers tonight have said, and I certainly don't disagree with that. But this is not just an unfortunate failure to live up to the billing. It is now a serious international concern Because we're about to enter the biggest farming challenge the world has ever seen. We will have, by the year 2050, between 8 and 9 billion people. I expect that instead of 1.5 billion affluent people, science, technology, and trade will give us 7 billion affluent people. And if the Chinese reach half of the pet saturation that we have in this country, that will mean another 250 million companion cats and dogs, none of them vegetarian. (laughs) We will need to double world food production again. We will need to triple the yields on the best farmland, because that only gives the highest yields and the least erosion, it displaces the fewest wildlife species. The Great Plains had 60 million bison, 100 million antelope, 3 billion prairie dogs. That's three species. The poor land has more, far more species. We are farming 37% of the land area now. If we produce for 2050 by simply extending the borders of the fields, we'll be farming 80% of the land area. And if you think conventional farming isn't feeding people now, just wait. And the organic farmers can't do this. The key is nitrogen. The earth had one and a half billion people before we got nitrogen fertilizer. We would still be at one and a half billion people were it not, that might be better. <laughs> you, might, you might think you prefer that, but you aren't going to get there with zero population growth movements, and you aren't going to get there with meatless Mondays, you're going to have to triple the yields again on the best farmland. (laughs) Plowing itself is a danger. Summer of 07, 12-inch rainfall in southeastern Minnesota, second largest concentration of organic farmers in the country. They not only had flooding, they had mudslides. Whole hillsides sloughed off sandy loam hills should not have been in anything but no-till farming. No-till cuts erosion by 65 to 95%. It doubles soil moisture. It's the most sustainable farming system ever developed. And organic farmers can't use it because you have to have herbicides to kill the cover crops so you can plant what you really want to grow. They can't Kill their cover crops. And the yields overall are about half as high. We had a famous study that came out in the summer of 2007 from the University of Michigan, which has no school of agriculture. The lead author was a fully qualified geologist. And they said, organic farming can feed the world and more. You're entitled to believe that, but they made a fairly serious mistake in the paper. They talked about one study in which green manure crops had put 1,500 kilograms per acre of nitrogen into the soil and that 66% of this nitrogen had been delivered to the seed heads of the crops. That doesn't happen. Everybody agrees that nitrogen fertilizer puts a higher percentage of its nitrogen into the crop seeds. 33% is the accepted figure. On green manure crops, it's 20%. The difference between 66% and 20% is starvation for half of the humans or the destruction of wildlife habitat on a scale never yet seen in this world. This is not truth and it is not a favor to you or to the population of the rest of the world to tell people something about organic farming that is demonstrably false. We will have to turn high yield farming in the higher yield farming
6: I'm sorry thank you very much thank you Dennis Uh,
0: Finally, with our motion organic food is marketing hype to summarize his position against the motion I'd like to introduce Charles Benbrook the chief scientist at the organic center which makes you the only person who has the word organic on your business card. (laughs) The Center produces science. I'm correct. The Center produces science uh, with the goal of aiming to persuade all of us to go organic. Ladies and gentlemen,
6: Charles. Thank you, John, very much. Um, First of all, I think I need to start with an apology to um, my esteemed colleagues on the pro side of uh, uh, this debate because I'm actually going to speak to the motion. Uh, tonight, uh, we're debating whether organic food is marketing hype, and th- the way that I understood this, and I think probably most of the people on our side, is that we're talking about the companies and the farmers that grow organic food and sell it to people. They, they put uh, claims on the label. There's advertising. There's lots of information on websites. I think we all have a pretty good idea on, on how companies market products and deliver information to consumers. And um, in the United States, as you know, there's a, uh, a number of uh, laws and regulations that govern what um, is marketing hype and what's not. Ur- Urvashi uh, spoke to, to some of that. Um, we've all heard the, the, the saying, you know, one aspirin a day helps prevent heart attack. You know, it's kind of amazing that it that it does, but in large clinical trials, people that are taking aspirin a day have a statistically significant uh, lower uh, risk of heart attack, and so the FTC and the FDA have allowed that claim on um, in uh, advertising for aspirin. But if you heard an aspirin a day prevents heart attack, that, of course, would be marketing hype. To, to claim that it will prevent uh, goes over the line into marketing hype. So how do we judge whether the, cl- the claims that are made or the information that's passed on by organic food companies crosses this line into misinformation or materially misleading information, which is a standard in the uh, FTC guidelines. Uh, um, What the the government says now, think about the last time you went to the supermarket. You can't walk down any aisle without reading labels that say they have reduced this or low that or a good source of this or promotes heart health or promotes uh, eye health or uh, good for your cholesterol, heart healthy, et cetera. All of these claims that um, either promote a food product because there's more of something that's good or less of something that's not good for you like saturated fat or cholesterol or salt, embedded in those claims are at least a 25% difference in the level of the nutrient. This is applied fairly universally across the entire food system. So whenever you see these labels, if it says it's uh, you know a, a good source of, of lycopene, you're buying a tomato product. Lycopene is a nutrient in tomatoes. Uh, and it says a good source of lycopene, you, you can trust that uh, the company has done testing that shows that there's, about, there's at least 25% more in their product compared to others. So as we go through the evening, keep in mind that that if there is solid scientific evidence that one food product, whether it's conventional or organic, uh, has higher or lower uh, the, of, a, of a particular nutrient that's good or bad for you by a 25% margin, that the government allows a labeling claim to be associated with that. Now, it, how how is organic food marketed? What are the principal claims and benefits? Well, number one, of course, is organic farmers may not apply toxic synthetic pesticides. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just blanket prohibition. Uh, the products that they can uh, apply encompass essentially all of those that pose any risk to humans or the environment. It's true organic farmers can use some natural products like uh, copper fungicides, sulfur is used to help protect uh, uh, diseases. Um, a natural uh, insecticide, Bacillus thuringiensis, that Blake talked about. It's what the Monsanto and the other biotech companies have found a way to move the capacity to produce this uh, natural insecticide into the corn plants. Uh, so without a doubt, uh, the, re- the reduction in exposure and risk from pesticides is, is the most common claim that you uh, read. And um, there, there's no question that organic farming reduces pesticide risk. It's it's laughable for anybody to argue that it doesn't. Uh, you know, the, um, American agriculture, you know, they apply you know, round numbers of billion pounds of pesticides a year. Some some are not terribly hazardous, including glyphosate, which Blake will use on some of his genetically engineered crops. But there are several <laughs> other there are several other pesticides, and especially insecticides that do pose. Significant risks. That's you know, and the fact that you know uh, we're all exposed to pesticides even before we're born uh, uh, does play a, a role in in our public health. Uh, did, do you all know that the average baby born in America has like two hundred chemicals in its blood the day the, the moment it's born from the exposures to its mother. Uh, about one out of eight uh, babies are born with a, a diagnose, diagnosable birth defect. About a quarter of the couples in America are having trouble having babies. They need some help in, in um, getting pregnant and carrying a pregnancy to term. Uh, the scientific literature is loaded with thousands of papers that, that demonstrate a connection between exposure to pesticides and these adverse health outcomes so to to say that there, there's no risk from pesticides and no evidence i mean if, if you don't if you don 't believe in science, fine, go ahead and make that statement but you can't you can 't claim that you read the scientific literature that you know it 's just uh, uh, just the way it is. Another of the major claims that are made. Uh, and, and marketed if, if you're if you 're shopping in the livestock part of the aisle in the dairy or eggs or, or beef, um, livestock on organic farms have to be given an ample space to carry out natural behaviors they have to be raised in an environment where they can stay healthy without their daily dose of antibiotics, which Urvashi spoke about. Uh, they have to be given uh, access to to outside you know unless it 's twenty below and, and the weather would would be dangerous for them but they they have to be raised in a, a much more humane way, and that's built right into the rules. All organic farmers have to do it. And if you if you care about how animals are cared for, if you, care, you know, it's great that we can, you know, buy cheap bacon and, and eggs don't cost much. But if you if you do care about how animals are cared for, organic agriculture is the only system of agriculture backed up by solid rules that require sound animal welfare, and it's one of the reasons that we hope you'll vote against the motion. Thank you. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate.
0: The motion being argued is organic food is marketing hype, and we now have the results of where you, the several hundred of you in our live audience, stood on this motion before the debate began. The motion is organic food is marketing hype. We asked you to vote to tell us whether you stand for against, or undecided on this motion. Here are the results. Before the debate, 21% of you are for the motion, 45% against, and 34% undecided. That's where things stand at the beginning of the debate, and we'll ask you to vote once again when the debate has concluded, and the team that has changed the most minds will be declared our winner. Now on to round two. It's our middle round, and it's where the debaters address each other directly and also take questions from you in the audience and from me as well as moderator. And I'd like to begin with a question to the side that's arguing for the motion that organic food is marketing hype. In your critique of those who support and believe in organic food and organic farming, there, is just, um, there's just, there are just these intimations of elitism, that people who like organic food are people who use words like intimations, for example. <laughs> and that, uh, that that is just a little bit snobby and it's a little bit snotty. And um, and, and in fact, the research shows that the majority of people who buy organic food in this country are at the higher end of the educational scale. And I want to ask you, are you saying that all of these well-educated people are actually rather stupid? (laughs) Are they missing the point? John Krebs.
1: You're absolutely right that... uh, The people who purchase organic food tend to be from the wealthier sections of society simply because it's more expensive to buy. And that's, uh, you know, you folks that buy it, you can afford it. There are plenty of people out there in this country who couldn't afford to do it. Does it mean that you're stupid? Absolutely not. But it means that to some extent you have bought in to what I claim is marketing hype. And if I can just go back to Avashi's opening comment, it is absolutely marketing hype that the claim that organic food is healthier for you. And that's why the advertising regulator in the UK stamped down on the two major retailers that made this claim as well as on the organic producer body, the Soil Association was making the same claim. It was hype, there was no case to support it, and it was banned. And if that isn't a straightforward piece We're of hype, exaggeration, issue. implicit deception, I don't know what is.
4: Geoffrey Steingarten. I'm um, just to wonder how long you conducted the million the, the, the lady study um, was it six months or no. six weeks or was it two years well Jeffrey what's
0: your point why are you raising that
4: well, many of the toxins in, in um, pesticides and herbicides could take years and years Okay. what about that John Krebs he's yeah. saying it's too soon to know
1: the, the Million Women's Study is still going on. It's been going on now for about eight years, and it will continue for another um, probably 15 or, or so years. So we're looking at long-term effects, and no effects have shown up so far. Um,
2: I think we're talking about elitism, but it's really that organic food costs more. Um, Organic food costs more to produce, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is that it's incredibly physically labor-intensive. You've got to, as Jeffrey pointed out, you have to pull the weed. You can't just spray a chemical on it. Um, It's harder to do. So there's no question that organic food is harder to produce. But the other major factor that's not been mentioned today is the amazing subsidies that all of our taxpayer money goes to to support cheap food production, to subsidize Blake's crops on corn and soy, and the myriad of ingredients that stem from that that end up in processed foods, hence creating cheap processed foods. Organic doesn't get subsidies, and that's why between that and what it does, it costs more.
3: I would beg to, Hurst. Yeah, beg to differ, of course, organic qualifies. The same subsidies that that, that I do. Um, subsidies are tied to the ground. They don't ask how you produce the crop. My question, I guess, I would like to ask, um, you talked about uh, fertilizer raping the soil. How does the soil know the difference between, I mean, nitrogen is, you know, you look at your periodic table, and there it is, it appears. When I apply nitrogen on some of our acres from manure, and when I apply some uh, nitrogen from some of our acres, uh, commercial fertilizer, how does the soil know the difference?
6: I'll I'll speak to to nitrogen. Uh, One of the major problems around the world there, back in February 23rd, those of you that read the Wall Street Journal, there was a remarkable story about how the subsidies in India for nitrogen fertilizers, which started back in the Green Revolution days. Uh, have actually led to such excessive uh, nitrogen fertilizer use in India that um, what happens when you put extra nitrogen on ground, you stimulate microbial activity in the soil, and those microbes, they, they eat your organic matter in effect, which degrades your soil quality. And The, the, the journal, it was, a, it was a very interesting and, and hard-hitting story, and uh, it was just a, a week after in Science Magazine, there was a major research report that Dennis may have seen about China and how there's this major problem in China about the acidification of soils from too much nitrogen. In 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 America in in the Midwest, uh, less than 35% of the nitrogen that gets applied winds up supporting the growth of that corn plant. And the rest, some of it goes into the water and some of it volatilizes into the environment. Organic farmers on the other hand, Nitrogen is expensive to them because they don't have access to these cheap commercial sources of readily available nitrogen fertilizers. They have to get their nitrogen the old-fashioned way with cover crops and legumes and compost. And it's dear to them and it's valuable, and they use it much more carefully. They don't need as much to support the same amount of growth. They don't pollute the water. They don't contribute as much to global warming, and they improve the quality of the soil. And it's these sorts of Win, win, wins that are why even the USDA acknowledges that organic farming is better for the environment, and
5: that's one of the claims.
0: Dennis Avery of the Hudson Institute.
5: There's a new set of products on the market from Arcadia Biosciences. They're actually the product of a, uh, a uh, research mistake at the University of Alberta. Um, they were trying for drought tolerant crops and instead they got nitrogen efficient crops. Uh, Rapeseed, rice, and wheat, you can now put on half as much organic nitrogen, get in effect what we've thought of as a full crop with very little left in the soil to leach into the nearby streams. Can we hope that the organic farmers will at some point uh, recognize this benefit and help protect the water with nitrogen-efficient biotech crops. Well, Dennis, whether they do or not, what's that got to do with how organic food is marketed in the
6: United States? (laughs) What's the point?
0: (laughs) I want want to ask Blake Hurst, because you're you're our only farmer possibly in the room. I think there are maybe some farmers in the audience, but certainly on the panel— in terms of just the reality check that you can provide to us for a ha- guy who gets his hands <laughs> in the soils, what have you heard tonight that is the most out of
3: touch with what really happens in the real world farming? Well, I, I, I want well, to... Well, This idea that... Jeffrey says that conventional farming is not feeding the world, so his solution is to produce less food? I mean, this, uh, this idea, it is... Why would you think is that indeed, organic
4: food is... Uh, that organic agriculture is less productive. That's totally wrong. What? Totally wrong. Okay, if, you're, uh, if you're growing corn... Wait, let's
3: o- let Blake answer that question. Yeah, well, give me your example. Okay, if you're growing
4: corn on two pieces of land, yeah, of course, farmers told me this, uh, two pieces of land, one conventionally and, and, and one organically, the conventional plot will produce more corn. Um, if you have less of a monoculture the number of calories produced on the organic piece of of land which is after all what we care about um, that the number of calories on the organic land will be uh, greater Mm -hmm. than on the conventional Uh, land.
3: what's your source for that? Hmm? what's your source for that?
5: That's that's impossible
3: well yeah but I'd like to know the source
4: Charles can tell you. I'm not a scientist. Well, um, I, I yeah, that was <laughs> clear.
6: On,
3: on, <laughs> tell him
4: Charles. Wait,
6: this is a this is a, a Charles. A, a, this is an important point. On Blake's farm, he he's we, we were speaking on the on the right over here. He, you'll be getting out in the field pretty soon to plant corn, right? Mm-hmm. In the next couple of weeks. And that corn will germinate in ten days and it will grow vis- vigorously, capturing solar radiation, pulling up nitrogen from the soil and producing a crop for about ninety days. And, after 90 days, it, it goes into sinensis. It has to dry so he can get his combine out in. And and really, from the second week in August, maybe the third week in August, that field really isn't growing anything more. Organic farming is based on a much more diverse uh, set of crops. Organic farmers are going to get a cover crop onto the corn ground as soon as it's harvested so that that fall uh, solar radiation is captured and supports biomass, which supports microorganisms in the soil. So the way that organic farmers can, can and do produce more per acre is they produce multiple crops. They integrate livestock and often fish with their crops, and they're using that solar radiation in the early spring and the late fall when it's not as intense in the summer. But if you drive through the Midwest our greatest agricultural region, it's only producing a crop for about 90 days of, of the year. And it's, there's at least uh, six weeks in the spring and the fall when it could be growing something, and it, something is growing on all the all organic right, farms, and that's how... Let's let John,
0: Krebs, John Krebs, who is also a scientist, respond to that.
1: Charles,
5: uh, another, but, another
1: way to... Dennis, so I want to let John Krebs respond this. to this. Just, I have a very simple question to Jeffrey. If, indeed, organic... Production is more efficient, produces more yield per hectare than conventional. Why is organic food more expensive? Why is the, Who's making making all the extra money?
4: Uh, because the reason it's more expensive see, is because you uh, get less per hectare. No, because it is. First of all, there is industrial organic farming about which I don't know a lot. I don't know Sorry, a lot could about conventional farming, that again but as what? the. Um, why is it more expensive?
1: No, what were the two sorts of organic you said? There's industrial organic and there's something else organic.
4: Yeah, there is a right, no, there smaller scale. There's industrial organic. Which so when, we're,
1: when we're talking about marketing hype, are we talking about the industrial organic? Or no, the we're organic? talking
4: about um, you know, healthy organic. And, um, no, just a minute. Sorry. No, no evidence that it's healthy. Organic. Yes, I know. I was just trying to get you. Um,
0: <laughs> Did it work?
4: The reason it's more expensive is because it involves a lot of hand labor. You have to hire, in the Northeast, you have to hire either the laborers or you have to build them houses. The best apple farmer um, in this whole area builds houses for her, the laborers, and then sends them to school. I mean, sends the kids to school. Um, I guess, the most part, the farmers are not in that position. but there's a lot of hand work. You can't have a combine coming through and doing whatever a combine does. Plus, also, I understand that this whole tillage argument, uh, uh, organic, I've been told that organic farming does not require tilling. That, now, is that true? Or do you no, know that do is you not farm?
5: True. It, it, it's there, bare and, earth farming. Organic farming is bare earth
0: farming. Dennis, can you respond to Charles's point about, that he made about essentially that an, an organic farmer is working a more diverse range of, uh, is working the soil in more diverse
5: ways by introducing different crops and its interaction with livestock? It's certainly working in more diverse ways. And I, I want to compliment the organic movement for having been concerned from the beginning with the health of the soil. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately, they aren't using it very well. And the, the point he made about the corn d- getting its growth in the first 90 days means that the organic farmers are starving their corn for part of that 90 days. They are not getting what that field could produce because the organic nitrogen is slow release.
0: Ravashi, do you want to come in on this?
2: It is a strange argument, and and what I guess I want to I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about genetically modified crops. The UN has issued two reports, actually, one just just recently and one a few years ago, that for Africa and Eastern Europe, organic agriculture is the answer for those areas for maintaining a sustainable food production supply. The second thing that also hasn't but why, been mentioned. Why? What is the
0: logic of that? Why, why is organic the answer? For it's those actually,
2: it, it resides within many of the reasons we're talking about sustainable production, jobs, less pesticides, less inputs. Those things cost money. And while our opponents are purporting the miracles of genetic modification and pesticides and how wonderful they are, what most consumers don't know is that those things were not required to be tested for how well they work or how safe they are before they got out on the market. And those are the aspects that the U.N. is considering when they make those reports available, and anyone is free to read those reports. Blake Hurst. Well,
3: of course, there's long and extensive testing for what the National Resource Council says. I'm
2: to catch that, Blake.
3: Their genetically modified seed is tested before it goes on the market. What the national... How many that of that you have untrue. bought genetically testified seed, uh, modified That's seed? Untrue. How many of you have toured Monsanto's laboratories. How many of you know the process that it goes through? I mean... (laughs) The point point I'm making is that that's patently untrue. And as to the point is whether it works or not, I guess that is the... That's the consumer. Because the NRC says that there's no conceptual distinction, that's the National Research Council, your government... No conceptual distinction exists between genetic modification of plants and microorganisms by classical methods or by molecular techniques that modify DNA and transfer genes. There is no difference. It's just a faster, a faster and more effective way of improving crops. The biggest mistake the organic standards made was not accepting genetically modified seeds. Nice. Absolutely. I'd
0: like to go to the audience for some questions. And how this works is that if you raise your hand and I find you, I'll ask you to stand up. If you're a member of the news media, we'd prefer that you tell us that fact, who you work for. You'll be given a microphone and hold the microphone about that far from, one fist away from your mouth so that the radio can pick you up. But I just have a question before we get there, which strikes me about this debate is that the the tone here is as bitterly partisan as anything that's happening in Washington. And I'm curious about why that is, on, and it's on both sides, and it's also from all of, all of us here in the hall. There's a, there's a nasty feeling to this issue, um, and, I, and I'm curious about why, why we're talking about food and what we eat, and I, and I just want to hear from one panelist, nominate yourself on each side, about w- w- why are we there in this topic? Charles, you're nodding, and
6: you represent the organic um, center. The, why? The, the, the organic f- uh, food... Industry it, it actually deserves the word industry now it counts for about three percent of our food supply. Uh, it, it's not threatening the profits of Cargill and ADM and and Kraft and General Mills uh, it, 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 in the marketplace yet, but it is in in the world of ideas. And you know, with all due respect to John Krebs, the science is strongly lining up behind organic farming. It is more nutrient dense. There are seventy or eighty studies that have reached that conclusion. Uh, to just dismiss them that they're not there, it, it, you know, you can do it. And but if you read science, it's there. So I think organic, or, organic food, and what this whole area represents, it worries the conventional agriculturalist to that people are going to start to ask questions about how our, food is, how our food is grown and what's in it and how it might be contributing to the fact that we Americans spend more than, than you know, any nation in the world on health care, but our health across a number of measures really doesn't stack up that well, and I think okay. it's a lot about what we eat. John Krebs, you want to, not just responding, but to take on my question.
1: Well, as I said at the beginning, you would expect those with organic on their business card to make the claim that organic food is better for you. Not surprising, Chuck, well done. But why is this such a divisive issue? It's a divisive issue because it's a sideshow from the real problems that we face, which are, first of all, about feeding the growing world population, as Dennis said. And second of all, for those of us who are lucky to live in an affluent society, to eat a healthy, balanced diet and secure our own health. Organic food is a complete sideshow to both of those issues, and those of us who care deeply about those issues are very frustrated by the repeated claims of the organic sector, explicit or implicit, that they will solve these problems. So it sounds like each side
0: thinks the other side is actually doing harm here.
1: Exactly.
7: Let
0: me Not just disagreeing, but doing harm. Gentlemen, uh, right there, if you could rise and hold that mic close to you, and please make it a brief question. Sure. Thank you.
7: Uh, One of the points that... uh, Mr. Avery made, was that we need to significantly increase food production. And I'd like to just suggest that um, in making fun of Meatless Monday, you are uh, asking a question about the concerns of livelihood of millions of people, 1.7 million people who died of heart disease, diabetes, stroke, and cancer last year because of... And easily attributed to in a number of academic studies to their eating meat. My Thank question is: Wouldn't reducing meat production significantly reduce overall agricultural production requirements?
0: I'm, I'm going to not. I'm going to pass on the question with respect because it's really. I don't think it's on our topic of organic food and marketing hype. It's it's a question about meat versus vegetables, I believe.
7: If the question is about subsidy. We're talking about how people are not getting an access to make an even playing field for organic foods.
0: I I think we're off topic, but but with respect. Thank you. Um, Yes, right there.
3: Thank you. Hi, I am a member of the media. Um, uh, I work at Martha Stewart Living, and I've worked on cookbooks. But I have a question. One of the things that hasn't been addressed here at all tonight is the question of flavor. If we're talking about marketing hype... um, it's, you know, it's hard to get away from the fact that an organic banana tastes like a banana or an organic peach tastes like a peach. And, it, you know, that's less and less true of conventional
2: produce.
0: So what's the, what's the question? <laughs>
2: I guess, no, no, but I guess, it's, it's about organics, which is good. Well, the question is, where's,
3: you know, where's the hype if we're really looking at flavor?
0: Are you, are you actually, your question really is Doesn't organic food taste better and isn't that one of its benefits? Yes, right? Okay, I guess, I guess fair, question. Be <laughs> John, fair question. Fair Thank question. Fair question.
6: John, yeah. John, believe it or not, this question actually is germane to the debate. No, I, I agree that it is. Uh, I, I just want the other side the, to answer it. The, <laughs> I'll come back to you, Charles.
5: Okay. I have been privileged to watch a program taped by a couple of comedians who performed primarily in Las Vegas who conducted a number of blind taste tests on the street in Las Vegas and nobody could tell the difference from nothing i grew up i grew up on a farm and that's a our, our to tomatoes test, yeah. during the height of the growing of the harvest season were wonderful The rest of the year, we didn't get tomatoes, except out of cans. Uh, This whole freshness thing, fresher tastes better. If your organic is fresher, it may taste better, but that's apart from it's being organic. John, Charles. I I think this is, I
6: really appreciate this question, because it's very important. The organic food industry has not claimed that organic food tastes better. And the reason that they know it does sometimes, but they don't have the systems in place and the ability to guarantee a consumer that it's always going to taste better. And it's an example of where the industry has not uh, gone over that line to hype its products. Now, there's some consumers out there that that are convinced that it always tastes better, and maybe, maybe to them it does. But I, I actually think the organic food industry has been fairly responsible in, in not getting beyond the science and beyond what they can guarantee. And I, I think that that they, they deserve a certain degree of of, of, um, uh, of respect for this, and they certainly deserve your vote to this motion because they haven't gone <laughs> out of their way and made claims. Now, some people say, you know, some consumers, the, the woman that John spoke about being guilty about not eating organic food, that's that's a shame she, you know all mothers should feed their kids lots of fruits and vegetables organic or conventional but the, you can't hold that against the the industry that's trying to be responsible in telling people about what the true benefits are and and they are significant okay
0: so we're in the question and answer section of this Intelligence U.S. We're in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan of ABC News, your moderator, and we have six debaters, two teams of three, debating this motion: organic food is marketing hype. We're going back to the audience for questions. Gentleman in the blue shirt.
8: Hello. This question is uh, 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 for Dr. Rangan. You talked about the fact that or. You claimed there was the fact that organic food could be verified, and there were standards for organic food. Uh, my understanding is that's not true; that the standards are for organic farming, and that there's a difference between process and product. And so, my and that the uh, standards do not say uh, anything about the products. It's just the process by which the product is is obtained. So, my question for you um, is. If I gave you an apple uh, and you had to do an analysis to determine whether it was organic or not, and it was a scientific analysis, presumably a chemical or physical analysis, what exactly would you do to verify that it was an organic apple?
3: That's easy.
2: Yeah, your point is well taken. Um, it is a production. It's the Organic Food Production Act, and it's about production, and the seal is on the food, um, and that it is it is about what goes into the production of that apple or that orange. And um, just incidentally, there's also a whole scientific advisory board that reviews and approves materials that are allowed and prohibited in processed foods as well as in fresh food. So there is a whole framework around that and that's what we're here to talk about today that is the foundation of what it is. Um, how would you test for a food that was organic? You might look for genetic modification that's prohibited. If that's a negative. What would you, what would you show me that the
7: apple
0: was? If it's a banana we can taste it.
2: In fact, your point goes, it's very difficult to test for whether something's organic or not. If it had prohibited residues, you might know that it wasn't. But the point is, and that's why there's so much record-keeping involved, there is so much work involved for a farmer to become organic, because the whole paper trail of what went into that farm has to be documented. Everything that went into the particular jam that was processed has to be documented. Those things aren't required for conventional agriculture, and the materials used are restricted, and and that is the framework that exists.
1: It's a very interesting question. When I was head of the Food Standards Agency, we started sponsoring research to develop such tests, and such tests can be developed because uh, this is a bit of technical chemistry. The isotopes of carbon and nitrogen that come from chemical fertilizers are different from the isotopes out of um, manure or compost. But the organic movement strongly opposed this, and they said it was a complete waste of money to develop these tests. They never said why they thought it was a complete waste of money, but I thought I had a pretty good idea that a lot of the produce that's on sale as organic is not actually genuinely organic. And I think it would be a good thing if the regulators did use tests like that and really showed what was on sale in the shops.
6: Well, John, I think you should speak for the UK on that because uh, there's a lot of us that follow what goes on in the United States, and the organic label has meaning in this country. Let's go back to the audience for questions. <laughs> Does the regulator
1: carry out the tests? Um, no. Ma'am, can you see they, me looking they at they you? can you rule. could stand
0: up, yes. Uh, and we'll bring a microphone. And if uh, it'll be handed down to you. You don't need to work your way out question, please,
3: then. Yes, question. Um, Thank you. My question is that for people who are interested in sustainably produced agriculture, um, there's some consumer concern that the rise of industrial organic agriculture, which was touched on briefly, has sort of called into question the rigorous standards that are in place for determining whether something is organic or not, and I was hoping the panel could speak to that. How rigorous it it is. I I know people...
4: um, I know people who have, who have compared uh, factory chicken production in the uh, conventional way of doing it and in the organic way of doing it. Now, it's still factory chicken production. But it is number one. The, 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 the chickens don't have to have access to the outside. They have to have, to have been outside. If you have something that's, that passes the organic test, it gets the approval of a um, certifier who is also certified by the Department of Agriculture, there's almost nothing you're going to have to fear about the food. The, the, um, raising animals in a humane way, I mean, I go to the green market you know twice a week There are people who raise animals in a conventional humane way, but most conventional agriculture does not do that. And I would say that the organic movement should be should receive. That's why you have to pay more because it kind of.
0: But ma'am, are you are you are you? You're getting
4: very bad karma by eating this. Ma'am, are, are you asking, Tortured do we animals, know? Like are you asking? Sort of, ha, yeah. Do we really know how
0: rigid the rules are and whether they're being followed? Uh, yes. You're asking... Some of, some of the regulations are in place in organic. Uh, when people buy organic, they're used microphone? I'll repeat it for her. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to run?
3: Sure. Uh, when people are... We have microphone. Yeah, repeat yourself. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my question is... When you're buying organic, you're assuming certain things about the production of the food. And when things are produced on farms that can be considered factory farms when they're such large scale, can the standards be scaled up um, to some of the sizes of farms that we're seeing?
0: Okay. I'm going to let Blake take the question, but I don't quite understand it. So if you could
3: rephrase it. Well, yeah, there's a whole lot of – I mean, what size does my farm get too big to be um, moral? I mean, what, what size farm is immoral? I mean, when do I become In industrial?
2: find animal feeding operations.
5: I think it's useful to point out that if we're talking about the chickens being indoors or outdoors, the reason we get flu every year is from Asia where most of the chickens and ducks are still kept outdoors and they are wandering up and down the street of the village And it is the interaction between humans and those animals that we get the Asian flu. We get cholera from hogs. We had, this is historic. Most of our epidemic diseases have come about through this close interaction of people and animals. And modern confinement production is protecting you From those diseases. (laughs) Okay,
0: Urvashi, Uh, since we're talking about... I'm sorry,
2: Dennis. Dennis, That is just garbage. Um, (laughs) That that, that is not garbage. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Confined animal feeding operations, I don't know if anybody's heard about um, lagoon pits of poo, the size of a great lake that exist, and these are bacterial cesspools um, for lots of viruses. The H1N1 was a mixture of bird, pig, maybe something else, um, we have huge hog farms in North Carolina. We have huge problems with bacterial problems down there from the poop pits. This doesn't just come from China. We've got the problem right here with industrialized agriculture in this country.
4: Gentlemen uh, with a beard. Hello. Uh, Can you stand up, please? Sure. Hi. Uh, Miss, Mr. Hurst, uh, you really uh, caught my attention when you said that uh, organic agriculture should stop aligning itself with uh, Actress, celebrity actresses, and start talking to to farmers. Uh, Michael Jackson, Ray Charles, Britney Spears, Beyonce, Christina. All right, Aguilera, all right. I need a, I need a question. Mariah Carey. My question to you is: Should we really be thinking twice and flipping the question around to say, "Is chemical food marketing hype?" <laughs> those are all th- those names I read, by the way, to give you some context. Are Pepsi spokespersons that I have seen on television in my lifetime.
3: Thank you. Was there a question?
0: Well, his question was, is conventional farming marketing hype? And, and, and given, given that, that actually your team has claimed a superiority for in, in several areas for conventional farming, I think it's a fair
3: question. Okay, yeah. Well then, of course the answer would be no. No. <laughs> I love a
0: pithy answer. <laughs> White shirt, uh, right behind you. This is our last question. The, the part of the marketing can that you s- can you stand up, please? In,
4: sure. The okay. part of the marketing that I'm interested in hearing about is the health-oriented marketing that could be either viewed as hype from the one side or not from the other. And what I had a hard time following was the notion that, on the one side, that defended organic uh, food. Organic farming, uh, there was a listing of 80 scientific papers that proved the health benefits of organically produced food. And on the other side, there was a, a lack of trust in the scientific data. So I was hoping that we could actually talk just briefly about one, just pick one of the 80 that says there's no doubt that there are health related benefits to organic food and then just ask the other side why that's not accurate.
6: (laughs) Sure. Um, The uh, British Journal of Medicine uh, published a study about two years ago that showed that uh, children born to mothers who consume predominantly organic milk and meat during pregnancy with its elevated levels of uh, uh, conjugated linoleic acids, which are a hard, healthy fat, uh, had lower the, the children had lower levels of eczema uh, it's, it, it was um, really the the first time a, an actual health benefit in humans from consuming organic food has been. Um, uh, proven and published in a peer-reviewed journal, and of course, this is for any health uh, problem. So many different things affect health. It's very unusual to be able to trace uh, uh, a, a disease or, or uh, to a, a single uh, part of our lifestyle. So uh, that's one study that that, that came out, and um, it hasn't right. been
0: refuted. Let's hear the other side respond.
5: Yeah. Did, uh, did you say that was the first that's come out after 80 years?
0: No, no, he said it's one that's come out.
5: The, a
6: study proving a health benefit in humans. The, 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 when I said before that there's 80 studies, the, those are studies comparing the, the, the nutrient levels in organic food to conventional food. Now, there's a lot of people that feel eating more nutrients really doesn't make you any healthier, but you've got to wonder why the U.S. government is spending so much time and energy trying to get us to eat more fruits and vegetables. John Krebs.
1: Well, it's very simple. Um, in that study, as in many others, it's very difficult to tease apart the con- contribution of different factors, and there's no clear proof in that study that the benefits that Chuck has alluded to were to do with eating organic food because there are a lot of other different differences between the comparison populations. So we still don't <coughs> have any evidence that organic food is healthier for you.
0: And that concludes round two of this debate. And here's where we are. We are about to hear closing statements from each debater. They will be two minutes each, and it's their last chance to change your minds. And from the audience vote beforehand, we know where you stood before the debate began. Here's what we have. Our motion is organic food, is marketing hype. Before the debate, 21% of you were for this motion, 45% were against, and 34% were undecided. And we'll ask you to vote again shortly and We'll ask you in that way to pick our winner as this debate concludes just a few minutes from now. But now on to round three, closing statements from each team in turn. Speaking first against the motion, organic food is marketing hype. Charles Benbrook, chief scientist at the Organic Center.
6: Uh, thank you, John. Um, as I said before, you know, this is about the, the claims or the, the positive attributes that are used in, in labeling and in advertising. Um, uh, in educational material on websites, uh, to 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 convince consumers to buy more organic food, that that's what we're we're talking about. the the uh, The claim that's most common and most known to uh, Americans is about the reduction, significant reduction in pesticide use and risk that's associated with organic farming. It's kind of a no-brainer. Organic farmers don't apply any of the dangerous pesticides that we have a huge program in the EPA to um, to, to, to deal with. And uh, they don't use any of the pesticides that are causing all the problems with bees. They don't use any of the herbicides that are Castrating um, male frogs and feminizing them all throughout the Midwest. They they just they don't use them at all. It, it's it's per- prohibited. So, uh, and, and that prohibition is embodied in the regulations uh, in terms of animal drugs and in particular antibiotics and growth promoting hormones hormones that push animals to produce more quickly. Organic farmers can't use them. It it's against the rules. Um, and and that's again embodied in the standard. So when. Uh, A company promotes organic food as better for animals. This is one of the reasons. Um, The other claim that is is, uh, uh, ubiquitous is that organic farming is better for the environment. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has agreed with us. Organic farmers build soil. They add humus to the soil. They... Uh, reduce uh, greenhouse gases, they reduce the loss of nitrogen into the groundwater. they promote biodiversity they don 't kill bees they don 't kill frogs they don 't kill beneficial insects and uh, and again this this suite of benefits are embodied in binding enforceable uh, regulations that are a part of the rule so so please. Don't don't buy into the, the oh. arguments of the other side, that because organic farming can't feed the world and all these other claims, that, that you should uh, vote for this motion. Thank you, Charles Benbrook. <clears throat>
0: Our motion is Organic Food is Marketing Hype. And summarizing his position for the motion, John Krebs, Principal of Jesus College, Oxford, and former Chairman
1: of the UK's Food Standards Agency. I just want to make two points very briefly. First of all, we haven't really discussed what is organic food, When I was head of the Food Standards Agency, I asked to meet with the organic food sector 10 people turned up. And I said, okay, I just want to talk to one of you. It turned out there are 10 different certification bodies for organic food in the UK, and they all disagree with one another. No one body would allow the others to represent their view because they didn't agree on what organic food was. So it's one thing to say that there are standards that are followed, but those standards are completely different depending on who you talk to. So we should be clear that organic food means different things to different people. And Let's go back over these questions about marketing hype because whether or not they're explicit claims made by the organic producers and organic marketers, they are certainly claims that people who buy organic food believe and accept. And those claims are either that it's better for you or that it's better for the environment. We've heard nothing this evening that really provides me with convincing evidence of either of those claims Okay, you may get more biodiversity on an organic farm, but if we're going to feed people with organic food, we need to turn more land into agriculture and do away with our natural parks and wildlife reserves. Is that trade-off worth making? I don't know, but we haven't heard any evidence for it this evening. Do pesticides pose a risk? Well, remember... That organic farmers use insecticides, including one called rotenone, which is known to cause cancer in rats, is one of the most dangerous pesticides if you're worried about carcinogens in your food. So if you're worried about pesticide risk, don't eat organic food, don't eat conventional food. In fact, starve to death. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, John Krebs. Our motion is Organic Food is Marketing Hype. We're in the closing statement section and speaking against the motion. Jeffrey Steingarten, best-selling author and food critic for Vogue magazine.
4: Uh, First of all, I assume that um, that, uh, one of my debate partners, team partners, uh, will be able to refute the one example given of a danger of something that's used in organic food there may be a lot of people in America who disagree about what organic food should mean, but we have a law. I mean, it's very hard to read it, and it's long, and um, <laughs> and it's very exacting. There have been issues about whether it's enforced strongly enough, but that would be to, oh, like saying we shouldn't have speed limits because some people, it, I, you know, exceed them, um, There's no doubt about the environmental dangers of conventional agriculture. You may have read that in the Gulf of Mexico, there's a dead zone, um, and it changes in size every year. It appears to come um, from all the nitrogen that is uh, dumped in to the Mississippi River for 1,000, 2,000 miles all the way from Chicago, uh, um, and it gets into the Gulf of Mexico, and it deprives... Uh, plants and fish of uh, of oxygen. It's um, uh, the size of the dead zone two years ago was about the size of New Jersey um, um, in the middle of the, um, the Gulf of Mexico. Um, there's no doubt to me that that conventional agriculture is doomed the only question is how soon there's um conventional agriculture requires lots of water uh, uh, um, even steady climate t- t- uh, monoculture um, um, and and t- 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 none of the con t- 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 none Martin. of the conditions that are supporting yeah thank you very okay. much
0: Our motion is Organic Food is Marketing Hype and summarizing his position in support of this motion, Blake Hurst, a farmer and vice president of the Missouri Farm Bureau.
3: The longest-term study and the the go-to reference if you look up organic yields was done at the Rodale Institute. They had two organic plots, one which used manure as a fertilizer source. Uh, We don't have enough manure to fertilize all the acres that are in crops today. We would need 5 billion, 5 billion more cows in order to produce enough manure to use that much fertilizer. The other crop used a long rotation of using legumes and corn. Um, two years out of five were legumes in order to produce the nitrogen for the corn or the cash crop the next year. So there you have it. That That's the final point. Organic food in any given year can produce the same as conventional food. But over that five-year period, it only produced 60 Percent as much. Sixty percent as much. Two years ago we were at a 30 year low in food stocks and cereal grain stocks. Countries were banning the export of rice. Even here in the U.S., they, they limited the amount of rice you could buy because it was a short supply, they were trying to cut down on hoarding. We can have food problems. We can't solve them. We can't have hunger problems. We can't solve them with organic production. We Americans take a plentiful supply of food for granted, and we've forgotten that the history of the world is a long search for food security. We have to remember that the history of agriculture is not a long crime, not a sort of industrial fall from grace, but rather the greatest success story the world has ever seen. The advances in farming and the application of technology to production of food have made us better fed, safer, healthier and richer. Those are very good things, and we should give thanks for our good fortune, and that's why you should va- vote in favor of this motion. Thank you, Blake Hershey.
0: Our motion is Organic Food is Marketing Hype, and summarizing her position against the motion, Urvashi Rangan, who is Director of Technical Policy for the Consumers Union.
2: Thank you. Um, our, our opponents have just been off-topic this entire evening, and The resolution is not about yield and how much organic yields versus conventional does it yield more or less. It's not about whether organic feeds the world or not. That's not the resolution. The resolution is whether it's marketing hype. John, on the other side, brought up, it doesn't offer health benefits. It doesn't, so therefore it's marketing hype. It was never designed to provide healthy to be a healthier food product for you the human being. It turns out there are some inadvertent benefits about being healthier to the environment and that's what it was designed for. And it turns out when we're better to the environment and we're better to the animals that we raise and we don't soak these animals and the ground they're on with drugs and chemicals and heavy metals it turns out that might be better for us too. And that is in fact why organic is not marketing hype. It began as something that was positive for the earth and my opponents did not refute not a single of my first three points in terms of poop being fed to animals. John the UK closed up all the, U- the loopholes with animal feed with mad cow. We didn't do that. And so organic offers that tangible benefit. We mitigate those exposures in organic food production. Secondly, with antibiotics, we have a big problem with the resistance of bacteria and antibiotics. Our opponents had no response whatsoever to that point. There's a tangible danger associated with conventional production. And we feed animals heavy metals. Just today, the Inspector General of the USDA came out with a report showing residues of heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs in meat. It's there. It's in the meat. Organic doesn't use those things. And therefore, organic is not marketing hype. We urge you to vote against this resolution. Thank
0: you, Dr. Andrew. Our motion is organic food is marketing hype. And summarizing his support for the motion, Dennis Avery, director of the Hudson Institute Center for Global Food Issues.
5: Bruce Ames, University of California, Berkeley, one of the most knowledgeable cancer researchers in the world, tested pesticides, tested first synthetic pesticides and found about half of them caused cancer in rats at high doses. He was applauded by the organic movement. Then he started testing natural compounds and whether they caused rat cancer in rats at high doses, and about half of them did. And this is where Dr. Krebs got his point about the 46 carcinogens in the coffee. And the actual reality is that 99.99% of the carcinogens that you ingest are from Mother Nature. They're there mostly in the plant foods, that we eat and consume and brew, and therefore, if you're eating organic food at all this additional expense, you might be reducing your exposure to cancer by something on the order of 1 thousandths of 1%. I was a little surprised to find that we we're also here tonight to discuss the pig poo in the waters of the state of North Carolina. But since I have, in fact, analyzed the data on that particular question, I can tell you that there has been no change in the water quality in North Carolina since they started growing hogs down there. There is a problem with the water quality below the cities because the sewage treatment plants don't deal adequately with the people poo.
0: Dennis Avery, your time is up. Not the pit. Thank you very much. And that concludes this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. And now it is time to learn which side has argued best We are asking you in the audience to choose our winner. We're asking you to go to the keypad to the right of each seat. Our motion is organic food is marketing hype. If you agree with the motion after hearing these arguments, press number one. If you are against the motion, you disagree. After hearing these arguments, push number two. If you remain or became undecided, push number three. And we will have the readout on these results almost instantaneously. Uh, Before we announce the result of the votes. I just want to, first of all, I want to thank the, we, I don't, this is different from other debates that we've had <laughs> in some ways. And I really want to thank the panels for, for making it so spirited and so interesting. So thank you to all of you. So I want to let you know that our next debate will be on Tuesday, May 8th. The motion is Obama's foreign policy spells America's decline. Panelists for the motion are Andrew Card, former chief of staff for President George W. Bush, and Dan Senor, a former Pentagon and White House adviser. Against the motion, we have Wesley Clark, a retired four-star general who served as NATO's Supreme Allied Commander, and French philosopher and best-selling author Bernard Henri Levy. In- individual tickets are still available by visiting our website and out front at the Skirball Box Office. You can make sure to become a fan of Intelligence Squared U.S. on Facebook, and then you can receive a discount on our upcoming debates. We would also like to announce that for the first time, Intelligence Squared U.S. is going on the road. We will be in Washington, D.C., for our first-ever debate outside of New York City on Tuesday, June 8th, at the Museum. The motion there will be, The cyber war threat has been grossly exaggerated. I expect to see all of you on the shuttle on the way down. (laughs) Our guests there will include top cybersecurity experts, including the former director of the NSA, retired Vice Admiral Mike McConnell, And you can tell all of your friends in Washington, D.C. The tickets are on sale now through our website. All of our debates can be heard on more than 220 NPR stations across the country. You can also watch the spring debates on the Bloomberg Television Network. Air dates and times can be found in your program. And don't forget to read about tonight's debate in the next issue of Newsweek and to pick up a current issue on your way out. One more round of applause. I want to thank the people who asked the questions, including those who did not get answers. So the results are in. Before the debate... On the motion, organic food is marketing hype. Before the debate, 21% of you were for the motion, 45% were against the motion, 34% were undecided. After the debate, 21% remain for the motion, 69% are against, 10% are undecided. The side against the motion wins. Congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and from Intelligence Squared
7: US.